0: I'm going to go ahead and read a few verses down here, more than a few, but I want you to get the gist of where I'm going, and this will help us this morning. Father, we just ask you to bless this time in the Word, and help me, Lord, this morning to say what I must say. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible says, and when it was determined that we should sail into Italy... They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, the centurion of Augustus' band. And entering into a ship of Adramatium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, uh, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends and refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed unto Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus the wind, not suffering us, we sailed unto Crete over against uh, Samon. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Now when much time was spent... And when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in the more part, advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenice and there, there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and liveth, uh, lieth rather toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing there they sailed close by Crete, but not long after there rose against it a tempestuous wind called Uroclodon, or Uroclidon, however you want to pronounce it. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. In other words, they brought the sails down and let the boat just go. And running under a certain island, which is called Claudia, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps ungirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand They struck sail and so were driven, and we were we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest the next day, they lightened the ship. And the third day, we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. A lot of things were lost here and gone. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have Hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete and to give have gained this harm. And, lost. and now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given them thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must be cast Upon a certain island, and when the fourteenth night was come, as we were driven up and down into Adria about midnight, the shipment seemed the shipment seemed that they drew near to some country or deemed rather that they drew near to some country and sounded and found it at twenty fathoms, and when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks they cast our anchors out of the stern and wished for the day now we know that the ship if you continue reading it for the sake of time I'm not going to but the ship was busted into pieces and they floated in on a piece of board or swam in but there was no life lost everybody survived prisoners and seamen I want to preach to you today, for just a little bit here, a message I've entitled, Preparation for the Unknown Storm. Preparation for the Unknown Storm. You know, I've always understood that we shouldn't preach sermons answering questions that nobody's asking. But I do believe that as we live in this fallen world where there is an agenda to stop the will of God, To stop the child of God. To stop the advancement and the furtherance of God's purposes. That we must prepare for the unknowns. We don't like to have to be concerned with that. But we make preparation for a lot of things in our life. And we need to prepare spiritually for the storms that are going to come. And I want you to just for a moment here listen to what I'm saying. And heed what your pastor is saying. Because we must be in preparation. It's all throughout the Word of God. Hebrews 11 and 7 said that Noah was preparing an ark, acting upon the warning of God by faith to the saving of his household, but also because he was becoming an heir of righteousness. We will either be heirs in this life in Christ, or we will be heirs of eternal death. In other words, we're going to have one inheritance. There's going to be one eternity. And uh, the Bible tells us that heaven is, is being prepared. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will return again for you and take you to where I am, which is eternity. So heaven is being prepared, but hell is also being enlarged, the Bible says in Isaiah 5.14. How am I to prepare? pastor, because I'm preaching to you today about preparing for the unknown storm. You know, there's some things I want you to consider today as I speak this, some things to prepare. Number one, we must know something this morning. We must know that while there are unknowns of a coming storm, the unknowns of the when and the how and the where, there is a perception that God will give us for the storm that's ahead. I am not all, today I want you to get where I'm going because I'm, I just want to set for just a second off to the side the fact that we're headed for things in this world. We're headed for things in this nation. Nobody wants to hear it. I don't want to hear it, but the writing is on the wall. So we need to be prepared for that moment when it comes. We need to be prepared because the storm's going to come. the rain's gonna come the flood's gonna come and what you built your house upon if it's sand it's gonna be destroyed but if you built your house upon the rock it's gonna stand in the midst of the storm but church even though we know that we're headed for end time storms and, and 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 as the Bible says, the beginning of sorrows, the birthing pains of an end time antichrist age. I know that we're there. I know that we're living in these times. But I, I want you to set to the side for just a moment that and realize this, that whether you're in end times or not, life brings storms your way. Amen. You go through storms in this life. The Bible says many are the afflicted. of the righteous. But the Lord delivers this out of them all. He delivers us out of them all. And so today you've got to know that I must prepare. And God gives us by His Holy Spirit a perception. Paul the Apostle told those the the, the centurion and those that were on board. He said I I perceive that this voyage is going to be with hurt and much damage. Not only of the lady and ship but also of our lives I perceive that he wasn't prophesying that but he had a perception of that a feeling in his spirit an admonition that he had to speak there are reasons that God gives us this God does this sometimes to keep us and spare us from something that he doesn't want us to have to go through he told David don't dodge in the wilderness because if you do you're going to die but heed the preparation and get out of that wilderness because Absalom is on the way he's on the way after you well David heeded the word of God he heeded what was told him and God is always a step ahead Ah, hallelujah! God is always a step ahead and so David made it through that wilderness alive and he didn't die there if you think about it Noah he he was building an ark and it was a matter of survival if he hadn't built that ark for 120 20 years they'd have perished in that flood with the rest of the wicked world but the grace of God is upon people that will heed the perception and heed the, the God's prompting be prepared be ready have oil in that lamp amen because I can tell you there's coming a moment when the trump of God's gonna sound the bridegroom's gonna come and will you be ready You gotta give me some monitor, brother. I won't be able to talk tomorrow morning. There are reasons God does this. Reasons. And truly to keep us or spare us from things. But sometimes it's to make us stop and count the cost. Listen. Because if there is one thing that I know God specifically spoke to me. To share with you this morning. Or speak to you this morning. From the back door all the way to the front. It's what I'm getting ready to say. God speaks to us. And gives us that voice voice of warning, that message to prepare us and he's saying unto us, count the cost stop and count the cost of what you are about to do the centurion believed the master of the ship over the master of the wind I don't care what somebody is saying to you about your marriage I don't care what devils lied to you and told you you know what I might as well just give up and divorce I don't care what the devils lied to you and told you specifically there is a cost to that titanic decision are you hearing me today some decisions are titanic all that is left is a destroyed destiny that was lost at the bottom of the sea, never to be recovered. Oh, I felt that so strong in my spirit. God said there is somebody or somebodies in the church and they need to hear that. That devil has lied to them and told them it's easier. You might as well just quit and give up. And it may not just be a divorce situation or a situation where you're ready to leave and walk out on your family and your kids and your life. Oh, it may be uh, in your mind and in your heart you've said, you know what? What's the use? See what service. God has got me. See where it's led me. See what it's rendered me. I can tell you today church, God is speaking to you and I today and he's saying count the cost before you make the decision and you say you know what? I'm going to listen to another voice. Listen to the still small voice of God today. If you hear your pastor, please I stand here pleading with you and my heart is broken. I found out just last week that a, a friend and a pastor friend, a colleague of mine who I had great esteem and great admiration for, walked out not only on his family, but his church. He left the ministry, he walked away, and he began to get involved in a in a situation of immorality. That's all I'm gonna say. But my heart broke, amen. My heart broke because there are people we think they would never do that. That's never will never be said of them. It could never ever happen it's by the grace of God that it's not any one of us sitting here today it's by the grace of God that it's not your pastor it's not some other great pastor that you have confidence in we stand here and are who we are because of the grace and love and mercy of God and I've not come with my Bible in my hand to slap you and beat you up God didn't call me to beat anybody, amen. He called me to lead the sheep, not beat the sheep. But I come to tell you in my heart, my heart beats. And I'm saying, God, is there somebody in the room today that the devil's lied to them? And they're contemplating a titanic decision, a cataclysmic decision, a decision that's far away from the will of God. God's talking to you. Whatever it may be, I don't know. But whatever it is, God is saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. My God, hear your pastor today. The reason why he speaks to us and allows us to hear that perception is because it's a titanic decision that will be and have casualty that you cannot regain. No matter how hard that little old submarine tried to go down to get down there around the Titanic there are things that you, that just, I, I know God's a God of restoration, but even the Bible says that whenever there's adultery in that relationship, He said the reproach never leaves the house. It never leaves, it's there. You know, I've seen children that no matter what their parent did to try to restore it, it didn't matter. They just said, you know what? They never forgave them. My God, today, please forgive your parents. Sometimes, you know, until you're a parent, you don't understand the things that parents go through. There's no, you know, other, we have the Bible, but there's no the hand-by-hand or uh, chapter-by-chapter manual on how to be a parent, even a Christian parent, other than to lead your children in the admonition of the Lord and just remember this son and daughter you're called to honor your mom and your dad you're called to love them amen he didn't say love them and honor them only if they're perfect he said love them and honor them because it's the will and law and command of God amen but today I've come to tell you church that we go through things and God's trying to shield us from something he's trying to get us to count the cost he's trying to get us to wake up you know Gary Chapman and, and, and uh, the five love languages, that book, he counseled always. He'd say, when people came in, they wanted to get divorced. He said, You stand to lose more than you think you're going to gain in a divorce your kids, your family, your financial investment. And you'll look back and wish you would have worked harder and tried a little harder and forgave a little more and overlooked and was more long suffering. Almighty God, I have a a dear family friend of mine, and they've wept on the phone and said, if I had just tried harder in my first marriage, I wouldn't have went through two or three others. You know, when I realized that that was the will of God for me. Sometimes the warning is for the glory of God alone. The vindication of God. Paul said in verse 21, you should have listened to me. You should have listened to me. You know, he told Peter, Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. No, I'll never deny you. He said, Peter, Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. And he said, I'm praying that your faith fail not. And he said, and when you're converted, because he saw what what Peter didn't see. And there was a vindication on the other side of that. But Jesus told Peter a reality that he refused to hear. I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, amen, strengthen your brother strengthen those around about you. There's a reason for the storm. There's a reason we go through things in our life so that we come out on the other side and we can be a blessing and a source of strength, if you will, of faith and encouragement that we can speak life into people. The Bible says the righteous are a well of life. We're people that speak with the tongue of the learned because we have a life of things that we've been through. The storm will reveal God was right. Amen. The storm revealed in this situation that God was right. That every other mode or source of wisdom or understanding is faulty. This situation proved even experience is not greater than God. Proverbs 3, 5-6 says Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. But nobody reads verse 7. They stop there. But He said be not not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. God is speaking unto us. Hear and heed and obey the perception that you feel that still small voice that's speaking to you. Don't go there. Don't do it. Hold off. I can tell you this right now. That the enemy wants to destroy everything that God is doing. Paul Being in the ship was the proof. Christ is interceding. I don't care what the devil tries to do. God, through His Son, is interceding for you and I. Amen. Amen. He not only doesn't want to save you and I to the uttermost, and He ever liveth to make intercession, but He was... Was, uh, you know, experienced every one of the infirmities that we we did. He was tempted in all points, but yet without sin. But he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's been through what we've been through, and he understands. And so there's no greater intercessor than our Savior and our Lord. But Paul was on that ship, proof that Christ is interceding. He was the salt of the earth that made the difference in a calamitous storm and all through the Bible are examples of how a man or a woman of God stood in the gap I'm going to bring up Jesus here in a minute for all of you that think I'm focusing on man, I'm not it's God in a man or a woman that stands in the gap but the Bible says that we're supposed to stand in that gap you that are spiritual are supposed to lift up the hands and hang down, my God you're supposed to pour into people you're supposed to be a well of life to them. You're supposed to love them like you love yourself. Amen. You're supposed to care for them and pray for them and bear one another's burdens. But Noah stood in the gap for his family. Had he not built that ark, they'd all perished in that that flood. Abraham stood and he interceded for Lot. Are you hearing me today? And still, even more those that were there that were righteous in that wicked city called Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses stood in a complete intercession for Israel, many times. Daniel for Israel and uh, Abigail and Deborah. And we don't want to forget Rahab or, or, or Esther that stood in the gap. And even Mordecai came and he said, Esther, he said, You think you are an exception? This same judgment that's come to the Jews it will come up to you. But he said, Who knows if God hadn't called you to the kingdom for such a time as this? Amen you're the one that can go before that king and she began to stand in the gap and the Jews were spared and Haman hung from his own gallows I can tell you God has a plan for the devil and he wants you and I to know today that even though we're put through the fire even though we're put through a storm you don't have to worry God has got your back he's in control The ultimate one who bridged the greatest chasm and gulf fixed between God and man was God Himself and His Son. Mercy built a bridge. Jesus was that bridge that stood between God and man that was fallen. Aren't you thankful today? Aren't you? I had somebody tell me, You preach Jesus too much. I said, What? 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 I said, I don't even want to respond to that. He is the message. Jesus. Jesus. My God. The ultimate one who bridged the greatest chasm. For all humanity was Jesus. Mercy built a bridge. Thank God. Thank God. The Apostle Paul, as an as a agent for Christ, was the salt of the earth in that ship. I can tell you he's the only reason God spared him and he spared them too, because that's the heart of God and God's people. Do you hear me? It's a heart of God and God's people that he puts that in your heart and says, You know, I'm not willing that any would perish, but that all come to repentance. Oh Lord, let them not die. But let this be an opportunity for you to reveal yourself unto them and for them to come to Christ. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, if everybody on that boat didn't get saved, then I don't know what else you can do for somebody like that. But that, but God brought them through that. and Thank God for His mercy. But that's the, the greatest of wake-up calls. I say all of this because it is on Christ, the solid rock that we stand. And all other ground is sinking sand. And the storm is coming. And you better know Jesus in the midst of the storm the south wind the Bible says in verse 13 can be very deceiving and it was deceiving because they said you know what things are looking pretty good things are all right. see you know we we don't need to worry about these things you need to prepare for things because you never know what's going to happen because things that you see or feel can change on a dime amen they can change suddenly and that's exactly what happened the south wind was very deceiving is very favorable but yet it gave a false security and verse 14 the very next verse but not long after there arose uh, you a Clyden and uh, what some have said would be considered a category 5 hurricane like with Katrina or some of those others down in the gulf uh, down there by Florida and that area of the country but it was so powerful that they had to let it drive there were no mo. Motor- there was no GPS just God just remember this the Lord is going to show you how powerful He is and that He is in that boat with you if you read the whole chapter, you see it was a continual wave after wave of stormy weather. The Bible says in verse 18, and we read it, the, 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 the tempest was exceeding to the, to the degree that they suffered great loss. They started dumping all of the things over the side. Just remember, if you're one that hasn't counted the cost, in the midst of the storm, you'll lose everything if you don't listen to God. But in verse 20, they said all hope that we should be saved was taken away. What did we do? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Storms come. It's a fact of life. Somebody comes and tells you your loved one died. I've had people that I never thought would ever get divorced. The spouse came in, slapped the paper down. The husband said, I never even saw that coming. The fact that they had it that quick means it was premeditated and planned. It was already in their mind. And it happened like that. They come and they tell you, no more job, you're done. I'm in the storm, Pastor. God's there with you. What do I do in the midst of the storm? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you real quick here. One of the things that they said was that in the midst of that storm, they came to a place, and in verse 29, fearing lest we should have fallen upon the rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern. And wish for the day. Amen. I'm going to tell you, in Christ, in the world, people hope for the best. I can tell you, whenever you put your hope in Christ, that's an anchor that will hold. In spite of the storm. They cast an anchor on all four corners of that ship. And I just kind of threw this out here. There are four anchors. What kind of anchors do we have to have in the midst of a storm? One of the first anchors that they threw out was the, was, was the anchor of God's immutability of his word. What does that mean, Pastor? It means it never changes. People change. Times change. Weather changes life changes. God never changes. One thing I've found is that he is an anchor. He is a point of reference that has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Thank God he never changes. And that's that's a rock you can hold on to. Amen. You can stand upon He's a never changing God. There's an immutability about God's word. The cross and its work never changes. It's a landmark victory that you can look to always. That you can I'm telling you, you can look to the cross. You can go to the bleeding side of the cross. You can rehash everything that ever happened on the cross and it will give you strength. It will give you hope. It will remind you that God is never changed. Amen. He's immutable. It's a landmark. And God's Word to what He told you to do. I was thinking about it this morning and I shared it and I kind of got emotional. I said, but the Lord started this church in 2000 and He put it in my heart. I've called you to pastor that church. And no matter how small or how big or how successful or how much we go through a valley or go through trials and tests and highs and lows, the Lord said, my My word to you has never changed. Amen. There have been times I wanted to put my tennis shoes on and run for the hills. Don't don't look at me, church, like, oh, Pastor, you know, you're the last one that should ever be saying that. You don't know what I'm going through till you've walked a mile in my shoes. You don't understand the mantle that a pastor goes through. See, sheep are down there eating, and they're eating that grass, and that, that shepherd brought them to that place, but he's standing five feet tall, than they are and he's looking out there upon that sheepfold in those hills and he sees the wolves and he sees the bears and he sees the lions and the mountain lions just waiting for their moment to come in and attack and that is a burden that is something that weighs upon your shoulders but I'm looking that's why this morning what I've said God told me to say whether people like it or not but that pastor's looking and sometimes the burden gets so heavy all oh, pastor Pastor, just give it to God. I do give it to God. But let me share with you not only do I have my burdens, the weight of the church, and everything that I'm fighting spiritual warfare for here and everywhere I'm getting ready to go, but I've got your burdens too, and I welcome them. But sometimes it gets a little heavy. So cut me some slack. Jesus, you don't understand till you've been there. I used to call Pastor Duke, and I'd just cry. He'd say, Jonathan, let me tell you something. He said, you're never going to be able to explain to the sheep the burden that God has put on the shepherd. They're not a shepherd. You, son, you've got to understand this, okay? I get it now. I'm going to tell you, sometimes, oh my God, sometimes, I'm telling you, you're just going through the battle, but trouble, storms don't last always. Thank God. Thank God we have that scripture that says it didn't come to stay, but it came to pass. It didn't come to stay. But it came to pass. That's our hope. Almighty oh, God. Mighty God. Mighty God. Let me get back to where I'm at here. I've learned that God's word never changes. I'm holding on to that. Amen. I'm holding on to his immutable word. I'm holding on to that. He said, what was the word to Paul? Verse 24. Paul, you must go before Caesar. God has given thee all that sail with thee the hope of an immutable God an unchanging God and a God of the promise and covenant is that He will never leave you nor forsake you. His word is there as an ever present reminder Paul you're going to Caesar everything that you've went through in your life is pointing to that moment and once you get done talking to that old turkey dog I'm going to bring you home amen. Praise God they said that whenever he was standing getting ready to be martyred for the gospel's sake God kept him alive all those 30 or 40 years ever how old he was preaching the gospel that when they had that guillotine in front of him that he ran amen he ran to that guillotine because he said I'm telling you no longer can I stay. for me to live you know for you would be a horrible thing Uh, he said I've come I'm going to die amen I'm going to die I'm going to go home and the very life that I've lived the race that I fought the fight that I've had the course that I've run I'm going to stand before God and there's going to be a crown of righteousness that's awaiting for me it's over no more storms first anchor was the immutability of God's word he never promised a storm free life you'll have faith people that'll tell you If you're going through something, you got a problem. You're living wrong. You're not quoting scripture right. You're not this. You're not that. Shut your mouth. I said, you don't even realize that my trusting God and answering the call of God got me here. You're just one of those of the club that all you hear is what you want to hear. I can tell you that's not the gospel. Amen. If you want to make people happy, go sell ice cream. Come on. But if you come to preach the word of God, you're going to offend a few people. Amen. You're going to offend people. So we've got to preach the word of God. And we've got to know that living for God is not for the fainted heart. It's for those that have given their heart to Jesus. Amen. It's for those that are sold out. Are you hearing me today? I'm moving on. The second the second anchor that Paul had to stand upon was not just the word of God that was spoken to him that he knew, but also the sovereignty of God that God has power over all things, over everything. I don't understand God's reasoning. I don't understand God's logic. I don't understand why He takes people it's seemingly in the prime of their age, but He does. I don't know the answer to those questions. But I trust Him. Amen. When I don't know what to say, I trust Him. Remember this. God is always gleaning and harvesting along the way. Jesus was always harvesting. All things work together for the good. Are you hearing me today? He's a God who's in control. He knows everything. And on the way, amen, of that ship going through the storm, God was trying to show everybody on board that God is an all-powerful God. God he's an all immutable God his word stands true and they had to learn he's an authority and he's got a plan for everybody's life he's not willing that any would perish but that all come to repentance and I love this God is always gleaning along the way and he was gleaning lives in that ship Oh, what are you talking about, pastor? Jesus went to go pray for Jairus' daughter. He had his face set. I'm going to go lay hands on that little 12-year-old girl. But there was a woman on the way, hallelujah, that had an issue of blood. And had he not been passing by her way, she'd have never got healed. But she reached out and touched the She reached out and touched the hem of his garment. I'm so grateful that when we need God and we think he's not there, that he's there he's passing by our way and I love it because every time Jesus began to move and heal, go by somebody's way, they were healed they were healed, they were delivered he's passing by your way, don't miss the opportunity, don't miss the moment oh, I just about crossed over into that third anchor Oh, mighty God. My God. My God. Yesterday, not yesterday. Friday. What a day. Whew. I went home. I had so much happen on Friday. And it had absolutely nothing to do with my life. We went to that celebration of Jerry and Ray, their daughter that passed away a couple years ago. I just went. I just went to support. Angela wanted to go, and I said, okay, I'll go. Standing there on the hillside of that cemetery with all those people, number one, God made it very clear to me, you cannot minister to anybody unless you cross their path. How can you possibly if you're not there? But if you will get in their way of where they're going, you have an opportunity. And some of the hardest, hardest of men come up and shook our hand. Thanked us for coming. Had a man with a beer in his hand and a cigarette in the other. I walked by, I didn't even know who he was couldn't tell you his name, nothing I walked by and he said, Pastor uh, Pastor, uh, I'm just so I'm so sorry, I'm smoking, and I thought I just walked by you, I'm not God but the spirit of God that rests upon us, amen, was a conviction unto him, and, and I, just, I just looked at him and I said, very nice to meet you, and just kept on walking, see I'm going to tell you right now, when you're passing by people, if you're not going across their way you'll never get an opportunity to minister to them, but what I love is I'm the side of that hill and we're ministering just talking to people just the very fact that we're there proves that god loves them because he sent somebody there to love them but a girl was there i started talking to her and i've known her dad i barely know her but she's not old enough really for me to even know her. i left living waters a long time ago but about the time i left she was being born but she said to me you know my dad she's talking to me and i said i want to tell you something I said I know your dad I said I've seen your dad down there in that altar I've watched him many 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 times in that altar cry out to God and I said don't think he's so far gone that God can't get a hold of him I said God will arrest his heart he may have went to the other side of the country but let me tell you something sweetheart I said if you'll pray God hears your prayer and I said he will minister to your dad and I said don't be surprised when he picks up the phone and he calls you amen I said I've watched him serve God and I can watch him and pray and see him serve God again don't give up she said their tears welled up in her face and her eyes but all I'm saying to you is this if I hadn't been there I wouldn't have had an opportunity to minister to someone that really had nothing to do with the whole reason we were there he's a sovereign God And what you don't know is He's controlling things in your life when you're submitted to Him by your Spirit, even when people aren't. Amen. Amen. When we weren't even, we couldn't rub two nickels together, could barely pay the rent here. There were people that were ungodly people that sent money in to pay the mortgage, not mortgage, but pay the rent here at the church. He said, I'll put put a a conviction upon a sinner when the church won't do what they're supposed to do. I'll send somebody from the outside to do it. Because I love that church. I love my people. I love those sheep. What does that say to you and I? We need to do what we're supposed to do. Amen. You need to be faithful in your giving. Be faithful. Support your church. It shouldn't be a heathen that supports it. You should support it. Moving on. What's the third anchor? The third anchor is the mercy of God. Stay here with me. I've got just a page left, a page and a half. The mercy of God. You see, that that, that may mean 30 minutes, Pastor. Just stay here. I'm bringing you into harbor. That third anchor is the mercy of God. Faith isn't faith until you need it. And I want you to consider this, how often we have this idea that we have to accumulate faith like a savings account and that, oh, I'm going to build up all this faith. But it just seems like that, you know, we just never have enough. Listen, we never have enough for the situation or it seems like that we don't have any. But when faith is not evident in our life like we want it to be, God's mercy and our cry for it is faith in action. Are you hearing me? I want you to think about this. God's talking. Oh, he's talking to somebody today. (laughs) Because you've convinced yourself, I don't have the faith. I'm just a piece of trash. I'm not worth, you know, throwing away. Yeah, you are. I'm going to tell you something he never throws the clay away (laughs) oh he never throws the clay away (laughs) hallelujah you may be a, a plastic bottle on the side of the road but God says there's value in that amen I'm going to go over there and pick it up I don't throw things away I restore them I heal them I make them new again amen but I want you to think about it when you don't have the faith and you're trying to muster up faith for a situation when you're in the storms of of life all you can do at times is cry out for mercy and when you cry out for mercy that is faith amen you didn't have the faith to believe God but you had enough to cry out in desperation for the mercy of God think about it for just a moment Jesus always commended people in their cry of despair amen oh, that they had faith he said to the woman that was a seraphonician woman that had a daughter grievously vexed with the devil I preached it many times she came she was a Gentile she said Lord deliver my daughter and he answered her not a word she said Lord deliver my daughter and he said it's not lawful for me to give the children's bread to the dogs and she said you know I may be a dog but even the dogs get the crumbs from under the master's table oh the Bible says he answered her not a word and and she said, help me, help me, help me. And Jesus turned around and he began to bring the answer and brought the miracle. Your daughter will be delivered. And he said, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. The cry of mercy and desperation is faith in action. <sighs> what about old blind Bartimaeus? I love it. He cried out on the side of the road. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They told him, be quiet. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David. I love that story. I love to preach it because here he is. He's walking and he got so far and he heard that Jesus and he stopped. I love it. He stopped getting his at attention. And he said, "I hear a cry. There's a cry that God hears. There's a cry from the child of God. There's a cry of desperation. There's a cry for mercy. There's a cry, amen, that gets God's attention." And that is mercy's cry. That is faith. There have been times I got down and I said, Lord, I don't have faith. I don't have faith. I don't have confidence. I feel like a crumpled up piece of paper. I feel so low. But as I begin to cry and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, grace came into that room. The Holy Ghost came in that room. Something came up within me. I hear you, son. I hear you. See, we've got to know this God in the storm. He's a God who's immutable never changes. Sovereign. Total and complete authority and control. He's a God of mercy. Those are those three anchors. And the last but not least is the fact that when you're going through it, he is a God who is ever-present. Amen. Do you hear me today? He's a God who is ever-present. And the Bible says that he said, Brothers, you should have listened to me. But nonetheless, he said, An angel stood by me tonight who is of God of whom I serve. In other words, God met me. He visited me through that angel. And he told me that I'm gonna make it because I gotta go see Caesar. See, there's something God has called me to do, and ain't nobody gonna die in this ship. The boat may be lost, the tackle may be lost, the wheat may be thrown over the edge, and everything that is there of value. But the most valuable thing is the souls upon this ship, and God's gonna bring you through because He is a God who is an ever present help in our time of need and trouble. You've got to know this in the midst of the storm. Oh, what are you anchored in? What are you anchoring in? Do you know the God that will not change? Do you know the God that's in all authority? Do you know the God who is a God of mercy and a God of the presence? He will be right there with you. Church, come on! I'm preaching better than you're shouting! My God in heaven! You say, well, the reason I'm not so moved, I'm not in a storm. Let me tell you something, honey. You're either coming out of one, in the midst of one, or about to go through one. I said, Lord, I feel like I'm fighting Fighting, He said, you're, you're getting ready to go to Kenya. <laughs> Come in that prayer meeting and feel like, where in the world is God? He was here a few days ago, but it just seems like today I woke up and he's not here. He said, I'm here there's something over us trying to keep us from breaking through and i said lord i don't i want to break out amen <laughs> it's an attack people that don't understand spiritual warfare will make fun or they'll look at you like you don't know what you're talking about i'm gonna tell you i've been in nigeria when i prayed and I got an attack like I never got before. Had to pray and plead the blood of Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus for 10 minutes. Sit there and pray until it finally lifted and broke. Higher levels, higher devils. Amen. I'm not talking about you got a $30 fee on your credit card kind of warfare. Okay, I'm not talking about, you know, I got yelled at work. Warfare. Warfare. You know, I was late to work, and they got on me. You know, why is the devil on my back? I said, because you've been late 15 times, that's why. (laughs) It ain't the devil, it's your undisciplined life. Amen. Come in here and shout and praise and all this other stuff, you know, and then go, and and you have the character, you know, of somebody that acts like they're a non-believer. Christians should be the best employees on the job. And in the age that we're living in, I'm going to tell you right now, almost all you got to do is just show up on time. I went and picked up some sandwiches from Subway. Only one person working. I thought, my goodness, she is everything. She's making sandwiches. She's doing the cashiering. She's filling up all of these things that have to be the prep work. I thought, and a big, huge help wanted sign outside. Man down on the corner, we'll work for food. I said, they need help. I almost went behind there and made my own sandwich. (laughs) Come on. He's a God who will be everything to you in your storm. They will come. You may not be there now. Take this message. Remember, it's on podcast. July, was it July 1st, July 2nd, 7223? Because you're going to need it. Father, thank you today. You are a faithful God, faithful God, faithful, faithful, faithful. I thank you, Lord, today for your word. I thank you because you, Lord, are an ever-present help in our time of need and trouble. I thank you for the word. I ask you today, Lord, to just draw by your spirit. Everyone. There's those that are going through the storm. There's those that you're talking to this morning and what you are trying to say to them. Even if they're in leadership or working in the church, you're trying to say to them today, you better think about what you're doing and the decision you're getting ready to make because it's going to cost you more than the devil has given you pleasure for it's going to be a greater cost than you ever realized there will be a wage lord let us not listen to the wrong voice but let us anchor deep and let that anchor attach to the rock the solid rock of ages that is immovable that is a rock of mercy that is a rock of sovereignty and that is a rock of your presence Almighty God, today draw by your Spirit, draw by your power, minister to every life. Today, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Move by your Spirit, Lord, I pray.